Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, if you've been tracking with us really over the last season, we've been uh, just moving through the scriptures and really Paul's letters, and we've been talking about life in the spirit. And this has been an ongoing season, hasn't it? Some of you recall, we started way back in June talking about the Holy Spirit and we learned who the Holy Spirit was. We talked about the power, the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've learned what the Holy Spirit does, what he actually does on the earth and what he does in the world. We've learned what the Holy Spirit does in us. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Brent talked about all of us having gifts that the Spirit has given each and every one of us. And we also have learned that the Holy Spirit has an aim. He has a heart. He has a desire. Last week, I thought was just awesome, where Pastor Brent talked about the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an incredible thought? That the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe, God Almighty, the God that is good, also wants to be friends with us. And as we kind of come to the end of the season and of the series, um, my assignment today is really to ask the question, where do we go from here? Like, how do we begin to walk this out? this life with the Holy Spirit, all of this teaching and all of this stuff that we've kind of experienced. Many of us have experienced some profound moments and profound encounters where God just kind of came in and he rushed in and we experienced a new level of his love. And, and so but what do we do with that? Like, where do we go from here? And as I was preparing for today, I just felt, I just felt this caution in my heart. And I don't know if it's a caution for me or if it's for King's Church, but the caution was simply this. Like, do not think that because the sermon series that we've been doing on the Spirit is over, that the season of the Spirit is over too. Like, let's not be mistaken here that transition to like another series or another thing that we're going to investigate into as a church is finality. One of the things I've been like really wrapped up in in this series is the reality and keenly aware of the fact that The Spirit does not just come and want to have moments with us. But the call of Paul here in Galatians 5 has just been something that has been on my heart that we're actually called to walk by the Spirit. This is not about moments and services and series. This is actually an invitation into life, a life with the Spirit. And this has been an invitation we've had as King's Church over the last little while. And that invitation has been to walk closer with him. And I felt the invitation on my heart in this season. I don't know if you felt the invitation too, but I've also felt the challenge of it as well. One of the things that we've been saying every single week of this particular iteration of a sermon series on the Spirit, we've said this. We said the quality, the durability, and vitality of my life is the sum and the substance of my ability to live close to him. I hear the invitation there, but I also hear the challenge in that. And the challenge comes around these two words, my ability. (laughs) How many of you, like, you're sure of God's ability, but you're not so sure about your ability? Anybody? Anybody uh, agree with that? Or am I just preaching to myself today? Because to be honest with you, um, my life with God or my walk with God, I wish I could say it's been even or unbroken, but I would say it's more, it's been almost like a yo-yo effect. 
You know, there's these moments where I feel like I'm close to God and he comes and we, he, we have this encounter together and I experience his love. And then maybe I, I walk in that for like a month or two or maybe a year or two if I'm lucky, but then life just hits us or something happens. And all of a sudden, very subtly, I start to kind of drift from these moments with God and I find myself becoming distant from him. Pastor Brent talked way back in June that one of the propensities in humanity is that we leak the spirit. But I also find in my own heart, in my own life, that I also have this propensity to drift. And I start to drift into maybe patterns of that were old and habits that I had in my life that I didn't have before. And I forget the things that brought me here to this moment with the spirit where we encountered him. Some of you remember those, 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 the, the call of, of our church was to go into a season of extended fasting. Do you remember that? And like prayer and preparation for God to come and move in our lives. But I find my walk with God is, all, is very much like a yo-yo at times. And I find this happens in every area of life, don't you? Like, for instance, I'll, I'll speak about my own life. I have this, I'll call it a hobby, that I started seven years ago, right around, right around when I have kids. And I do this every single year. And I call it gain 25 pounds, lose 25 pounds. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Come on, let's, come on, let's be real. Halifax, someone, Halifax knows they see skinny Seth once a year, right? Like anybody else have a skinny drawer? Anybody? I had to break it to my wife uh, like a week ago. She's like, babe, where are those camo pants I really like to wear? I, I, I like you to wear. And I'm like, babe, that's in my skinny drawer, you know? Give it a month or two, I'll be back in those bad boys, right? But I, I have this kind of yo-yo effect in my life um, with my health and with my lifestyle and all of those things. And it's not because I don't know things. It's not. Like the other night, uh, I'll just, this is just, I'll give you a, a picture of our house at night. Like we're sitting there, I'm on my computer, and a lot of times I'm like reading things about health and like diet. I know everything about keto and exercise routines and all that. And I'm sitting there and, I'm, and I'm, as I'm doing it, I'm talking to my wife about this. And she's like, babe, when are you going to do it? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to do it now. I'm just going to, trust me, I'm going to get into this. And then she's, and then suddenly she slides in. So do you want a bowl of ice cream now? And I'm like, uh, yeah, bring that over here. Right. And so, right. Um, but what happens in my life, well, what the point I'm trying to make here is that there are some things inside of us that really dictate how we live how we live our life. If I, Pastor Brent did a graph last week. And so I, I decided to do a diagram <laughs> this week. And I kind of want to show you how this works out in our life. And take my example, uh, you know, take me for example, just my problem with living life and working out and being consistent with that. It's not a matter of knowledge. It just isn't. Like I know so much about, you know, diets and routines and all that stuff too. It's not so much about what I've done. Like I've bought in all the weights. They're down in my, my and downstairs collecting dust right now, right? I even bought a bike this year, not a motorcycle. I'm a cyclist, everybody. I'm a cyclist now. I bought a bike. I have all of this stuff. So it's not a matter of knowing or even just going and doing, but there's actually something deeper inside of me that causes me to do things and to shape my life. My problem isn't my knowledge. My problem isn't what I've done. My problem is that I love ice cream more than all of those other things. Does that make sense? And here's something I want you to know, that you are moved, that you are pulled by what is in your heart. Your love actually dictates your life. 
even beyond what you know, even beyond what you do. It is your love that actually moves you and takes you further. You are shaped more by your heart than by what you think. Ultimately, whatever we walk, whether it's walking out a good lifestyle or if it's walking with God, ultimately the way we walk will be defined by what we love. Like our hearts have a way of just enchanting us, don't they? Like we give ourselves to our own hearts. You will follow what you really love. That saying out there that says, follow your heart is only partly true. You know that? Because when you follow your heart, your heart will actually take you. And it oftentimes will not let you go. And it takes you and it forms you. And in the words of, of, of Christian philosopher James K. Smith, he says, you, you will become what you love. Now, here's the thing that's so fascinating about this idea of our hearts and how we live according to our hearts. It's what I find in the scriptures is that God actually created you and I this way. Bible says in the book of Genesis that God created mankind in his image. And one of, the, one of the, the things that we know about God is that God himself is a lover. And if God is a lover and he creates us in his image, he's going to create lovers. Am, am I right? And the idea for that is that we would find our life and our substance and our satisfaction in loving one another in that confines, in that context, in that framework. You see, as human beings, we can't help but to love. Like to be human is to love. We cannot help but to orient our hearts and our lives towards the things that we love. This is a core piece of who you and I are. So our problem is not that we don't love. Our problem in humanity today is that we find ourselves falling in love with the wrong things. Like, think about this. The fall of man did not happen because man just woke up one day and said, God, I hate you. No, what happened was, is that man saw an idea and began to fall in love with that idea more than God himself. It's love that actually led us astray. But here's the scandal of the gospel. It's his love that brings us back. This is why God does not give you and I a divine strategy. God gives us a son. This is not why God give us, gives us a plan of salvation. He gives us a person of salvation. Love actually wins us back. Love leads us astray and it often veers. We veer, we drift because of the, the loves in our heart that we're trying to dictate and move away. But God brings us back because of his love. This is what John knew in 1 John chapter 4. He says this. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know, check this out. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. You know, one of the things I've been keenly aware of in this season, and I, I believe this to be true, but I feel like the Lord has given King's Church a fresh revelation of his love. And you know why I believe he, he's done that? Because he's relentlessly after that. He's after our hearts and our loves. So how do we walk with God? Like, how do we actually keep the love, our love oriented towards the Father? How do we actually keep our want-tos there? I mean, is it even possible? I mean, we've heard that statement before, the heart wants what the heart wants. But when you read the scriptures and you read even the letters of Paul, the New Testament writers believe that we could actually choose the things that we love and the things that we can orient our hearts to. And so my big idea for us today is simply this, to walk forward in the spirit, we must know how to curate and recalibrate our hearts. We must know how to curate and recalibrate our hearts on an ongoing basis. But how do we do that? And this is the next point I want to make. We were made to walk in the life-giving rhythms of the Spirit. We were made to walk in the life-giving rhythms of the Spirit. Now, what I want to do for us today, just, just for the rest of my time today, is I want to give us like two legs to walk with. If we're called to walk by the Spirit, I want to give us kind of two legs that we can kind of walk with as we walk this series out and as we continue to walk out our faith with God. Are we good with that? And so what I want to do is I want to take you um, to the person, our, our teacher that we have. We have a great teacher. His name is Jesus. And he actually gives us these two kind of walking legs on how to walk out a life with God on a consistent basis. How do we mitigate the gaps? How do we mitigate kind of this unbrokenness, this uneven walk with God? And he gives us two what I call rhythms that I want to talk about that. And we find this in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Of course, you know this text. We've been going through the gospel of Matthew. We'll be getting back into Matthew next week. But Matthew chapter seven is at the end of this like dynamic teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he says at the very end. And now just look at this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice something about Jesus here. He's actually saying here, this is really important what he says. He says that you and I actually have a part to play in building a house. Like we actually have a role in building our lives on something foundational. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So there's two things I want to show you. Here's the first rhythm. The first leg I want to show you today is what I call the rhythm of teaching. Do you hear what Jesus said? He said, for those of you who hear my words, when you listen to Jesus's words, what, is, what, what, is, what does he talk about? Anybody? Talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about a vision of a good and beautiful life. You see, Jesus, when he teaches, does not teach self-help. 
He's not giving us like, hey, here are five ways to like be able to handle your, your mother-in-law, right? Like he doesn't talk about that. What Jesus constantly talks about is the kingdom of God. Now, why is that important? It's important because teaching, ha- teaching has a way of getting into our hearts and our minds a vision of life, the good and beautiful life. Like good teaching is not about, hey, this is right, this is wrong, or do this or do that. Good teaching gets a vision of the good and beautiful life, which Jesus has claims on, doesn't he? Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. What's he saying? He's saying, I have a vision of the beautiful and good life for you. And so teaching, a rhythm of teaching, meaning we constantly have to be under the word of God. We constantly have to be under the teaching because our hearts constantly need to reimagine, reintegrate, reengage, reorient ourselves. The Bible's version or the word for that is repent. We constantly have to reengage and reorient ourselves around the good and beautiful life, the gospel and the kingdom of God. Amen? The rhythm of teaching. Even Paul would like in his letters is super obsessed with your mind. You ever notice that? Here's just a few kind of snapshots of Paul's letters. Of course, the one that you probably know most, Romans chapter 12, verse two. Actually, just before this statement, and it says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing. It doesn't say by the renew of your mind, by the renewing. There's a process. It actually takes time. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We take every thought captive. What, how, how many thoughts? Every thought. Every thought captive to obey Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Set your minds on things above, Paul says. Philippians chapter three, verse five, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And I could go on and on and on about Paul. Paul is obsessed with our minds and what we are thinking. In his book, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard says this, and I love what he says here. The process of spiritual formation, maybe for today, the process of spirit formation, a life in the spirit in Christ is one of progressively replacing those destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. What's he saying? He's saying that you and I have destructive ideas in our lives right now. That's what he's saying. He's saying, but part of the process of learning to walk with God and walk with the spirit is to replace those ideas with the ideas that are in Jesus himself. He goes on to say, spiritual formation in Christ moves us towards a total interchange of our ideas and images for his. Man, that phrase progressively replacing. We constantly need to be in what I call a rhythm of teaching. Constantly need to be in a place of hearing the gospel. How many of you know, and we've said this countless times from this stage, that the gospel isn't just to be preached to those who haven't heard it, but the gospel needs to be preached to, to people who have heard it. 
We constantly need to be preached the gospel. We need to re-gospel ourselves all the time. Why? Because there, there is an image. Our heart constantly needs an image and vision of the good life. This is why we continually badger you as preachers to come to church and, and sit under teaching. We don't do it because we think we're great preachers, by the way. We don't do that. But it's important that we, the teach, see, listen, teaching is for your mind, but actively getting up in the morning and putting effort in and coming to the church is actually for your heart. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But we need to constantly be sitting under a rhythm of teaching to hear the words of Jesus. And let me also say this. If this is the only segment of the week that you get teaching, it's not enough. It just isn't. Just by, based on the fact of sheer volume. Like the moment that we leave a, a space like this or you leave Halifax or Charlottetown or one of our campuses and you go out, probably immediately your mind and your heart is gonna be bombarded with vision after vision after vision after vision, all of them giving you a picture of a version of a good and beautiful life. It's called advertisement, right? And it's all aimed towards your heart. And so we constantly have to be in a position, in a place where we're in a rhythm of teaching to hear the words of Jesus, whether that's coming to church and listening to a sermon, which is part of it. Whether it's in the word. This is why we say, hey, join us for a year-long read together as a church in the word of God. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Some of us actually need to get together with some people and talk about what we're learning in the word. And, and because this is part of growing the formation and walking out with the spirit is sitting under a rhythm of teaching. Now, if you did this, if you came to church every single week, let's just say you read your Bible eight hours a day and that's all you did, guess what? It's still not enough. It's still not enough. This is only the first step. And honestly, I wish, I wish we could just stop here and say, okay, it's time to go home, but it's not. This is just the first step. We come to church, we take notes and podcasts, and that's, all, and that's all great and good. But a lot of us, we just stop here and then we find ourselves kind of stalling out as we walk out our faith with Jesus. Why do we do that? Why does that happen? Because you can't think your way into Christ-likeness. You cannot think your way into a life with God. Why? because it's a way of life and we have to live it out. And some of us, we may have experienced this in our life. You come to church, you hear a word, God just speaks to you and you're like, man, I'm so excited. I'm so charged up. And then Monday comes and you find yourself back into some old pattern immediately. Anyone for real? Yeah. You know what your problem is? Our problem, especially for us in the West, our problem is not knowledge. We have so much knowledge. We have so much understanding. We don't need another podcast. For many of us, it's not another podcast. It's not another sermon. It's not another study. It's not another book because our problem is deeper. Let me remind you that you and I are formed not by what we think, but by our hearts. And so Jesus continues on and he gives us kind of a, 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 another rhythm. And it's what I want to call, so leg one is the rhythm of, the te of, of teaching. The second one is what I call the, the, the rhythm of practice. Or you can call them disciplines or you can call them habits, whatever you want to call them. But the rhythm of practice. Look again at what Jesus says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words 
and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now what's interesting, and I didn't do this the first time, is that Jesus continues. Look what else he says. He says, but everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What's interesting here is that Jesus seems to put an emphasis on the practice part of this. Like he doesn't talk about hearing his words. He actually kind of puts an emphasis on here's what happens when you practice and here's what happens when you don't put practice. He's really adamant that we put in practice what his words state. In fact, um, Paul, Paul, one of the major metaphors uh, that we find all through his writings is that of an athlete, that we're actually called to discipline our bodies and to like move our bodies, activate our bodies according to, the, uh, according to God's word. Uh, James, James chapter one, this is what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what, what, the reason I emphasize this is that I think probably for most of us, we get the hearing part down. It's the practice part that we struggle with. And I think there's a reason why we struggle with it. There's a couple reasons I've, I've come to grips with. Number one, just our culture does not see transformation happening through your body and your practices. Like we are, like even modern education is still the, still the same thing. We kind of go sit in a classroom, we receive a bunch of information, we regurgitate that out. So when, it, when it's not engaging our mind, it, we struggle with it, right? But then another reason I think that we struggle with the practice or the disciplines or the habits that, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, is that I think we totally misunderstand them sometimes, to be honest. And let me just say, when we talk about this word practice or discipline, like it has been used and abused throughout centuries. Some of you probably have in your mind right now, when you talk about discipline, some monk in a back room, like, you know, beating himself with a whip, right? And some of us, maybe we struggle with practice and discipline. And I'm just going to say this because I just feel like maybe someone here needs to hear this. Some of us went down the road of practicing and, and, and getting involved in the things that God has called us into. And someone came along and told you, you were doing it wrong. And you just need to hear that's not from the spirit. It just isn't. And I love the language of Jesus here. He calls it a practice. Why does he call it a practice? Because he knows you and I aren't going to get it right the first time. He just knows that. I love the fact that he doesn't say, hey, hear my words and perfect them. That's not what he says. He says, hear my words and practice them. He knows you and I aren't going to get it the first time, right? I love what Dallas Willard says. I love this quote. It's my favorite Dallas Willard, Willard quote. He says, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. 
Some of us even think that if we get into the, into the space of like, you know, or, orchestrating our lives with these practices and, and these disciplines that, we, that we're called into, that this is some form of legalism. It's not. It just isn't. You're not earning anything. Let me just say this over you today. You're, you do not have to earn the Father's love. Like you have the Father's love. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. But we have to come to grips with the fact that you and I actually have a part to play in our walk with the Spirit. We actually have a part to play in our discipleship with Jesus. And it takes effort. Pastor Brent said it last week. It takes effort to be in a relationship, doesn't it? And the good news is, is that God does most of the work. This isn't like 50-50 here. Like God does most of the work, but we do have a part to play. And I don't know what the percentage is. Some of you like percentages. I don't know what that is. Maybe 5%, 10%, whatever it is. But whatever role you play, whether it's the, the minuscule role that you and I play, it matters. It matters to God. And it matters to us. So practice. What does it mean to practice? This is my working definition of a practice. This is why we engage the practices and the disciplines as we walk out a life with the Spirit, because practice creates time and space for us to access the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Man, one of the things I have just fallen love into is just, is just breaking away for silence and solitude. It's a practice. It's a practice that Jesus gives us. So what other practices here? I put them in three categories. These are the practices. These are practices, there are practices based on the lifestyle of Jesus. Things like prayer, fasting, silence, and solitude, Sabbath, worship, coming to church, scripture, Bible reading, anything with the Bible, that is a practice based on the lifestyle of Jesus. But then there's practices based on the teachings of Jesus. Like things he actually teaches, things like the Sermon on the Mount, confessing our sins, forgiving, giving, gratitude, those sorts of things that he teaches us. And then there's practices based on the mission of Jesus, just things that he does in the world, things like hospitality, generosity, serving, simplicity. All of these things are practices. Now, I don't want to get down into the weeds and talk about how do you do listening prayer or silence and solitude. All those things are very important. But from a 30,000 foot view, it's important that you and I engage in a rhythm of practice practices, because here's a key idea. What we do ultimately does something to us. What we do does something to us. What you do, you will become. Like, this is why, this is why we fast as a church. Like, some of you are probably like, what sort of transformational value does fasting have, right? Did you know the early church used to fast, like, every Wednesday and every Friday? Like, it was a part of the rhythm of their life. It's really hard for us to understand how fasting can be transformational because it's not done with our minds. But it is done with your stomach. And when you start to practice fasting, one of the things you'll know is fasting is like one of the most powerful spiritual disciplines you can do. And when you start to practice fasting and you work your way through it, your in your mind it's not for your mind. How many of you get hangry when you fast? Like you're grouchy and grumpy all the time. I'm, that's me. But when you continue to practice fasting, I'm realizing this is doing something much deeper in me. This isn't for my mind. This is actually for my heart. This is why Jesus pairs teaching, the rhythm of teaching and the rhythm of practice together. Let me put it this way. Teaching is aimed at your mind, but practice is aimed at your heart. 
when you begin to engage in practice and habits and spiritual disciplines, whatever it is, it begins to align your heart and desires and your affections and your minds. It just happens. And I can't really explain it. God created us that way. It just is. This is why like we sing. Did you know that? Like some of you are like, well, I'm just intellectual. I don't like to sing. No, when we sing, it's doing something to us. Like it might be not be doing something to your mind, but it is doing something to your heart. What we do does something to us. Our practices and our habits, they shape our hearts. They begin to shape our wants and our desires and our hungers. It begins to shape our loves. That's what it does. Like take, for instance, shopping for a moment. How many of you like to shop in here? No one, okay, some of you are lying here. Like, you know, like shopping. You ever go shopping and you start buying things? You, you ever notice what it does to you? Anybody? Like the more you shop, the more you get, the more you want. Am I right? Right? Uh, this happened to me just a, a few weeks ago. Like I went into, I had to go buy a new suit because my skinny one wouldn't fit anymore, right? And so I went in there and I told my wife, I was like, babe, I'm just going to go. Like my dad bought this suit at this place, super cheap. I'm going to get the cheapest one that I can buy. I walked out of there with the most expensive suit I could buy and two shirts and a new pair of shoes, right? Why? Because engaging in something does something to me. It just does. Like the more I do something, the more I actually want to do it, right? Like the more you watch Netflix, the more you want to watch Netflix. The more you watch porn, the more you'll want to watch porn. Like the more that you mess around with your boyfriend or girlfriend, the more you want to mess around with your boyfriend or girlfriend. The more you gossip, the more you want to. The more that you spend time with God and in the word, the more that you'll want to spend time with God in the word. The more that you seek God, the more of a seeker of God you'll be. Because what we do actually does something to us. I think one of the most dangerous things for us as Christians is our ignorance to the daily habits and weekly practices that form our hearts. Listen, you're not just shopping. You're not just watching Netflix. You are doing something to your heart. And if you're going to walk by the Spirit, if we're going to have a consistent walk with God, the call of Paul, walk by the Spirit. Listen to me, church. You have the power. We have the authority, the power that brought Jesus back from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually begin to curate our hearts. Like you have a decision to make with your daily, weekly, regular basis, your habits to, to form the things that you actually love. None of us are passive. There's no neutral ground, by the way, either. None of us are passive. We're all active in this. You and I at least get a small part to play in pointing our love and our longings in the right direction. This is why Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. Why would he say that? Because he knows you and I have a choice. We have a choice in it. You have a part to play in pointing your dreams towards the vision of the good life that Jesus gives us, which is ultimately modeled, which is ultimately something he models himself as he walks out his life with the spirit.
Jesus says there's two legs that we're supposed to walk on. We're supposed to walk under his teaching, a rhythm of teaching and a rhythm of habits and practices. You know, I think Paul really understood this in Galatians chapter five. Again, I wanna bring up our text that we started at the beginning with. Now with all that in your mind, look what he says. Maybe we see it through fresh eyes. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Did you hear that? When you start to walk by the spirit, your desires begin to shift for more of walking by the spirit. Does that make sense? Because it's, when you do something, it does something to you. This is what I love about this, this, this statement here from Paul. Like when we read this, walk by the spirit, this isn't just an invitation. Do you know that? This is what we call in like Bible terms, an exhortation. An exhortation. What's an exhortation? Exhortation means simply this, get up and do this with emphatic urgency. Get up and start walking by the spirit. Some of you are like, well, I just, I don't know if I'm there yet. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, get up and start walking. Walk by the spirit. Get up and start walking with him. Start moving your feet. Move your legs. Walk with him. Let me put it in this, maybe in these terms right here. This is what I've come to to learn in my own life. If I'm going to walk by the spirit, then I actually have to start walking by the spirit. And the more that I do, the more I find myself wanting to. The more I find myself wanting to be with him. The more I find myself wanting to get up early with him. You know, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I was on a bike ride. I am riding my bike, everybody, so you know, forming the habit in me. And I was listening to this podcast, like, Um, from a guy named Pete Craig and he was talking about how he started a prayer movement across the world and it was something that happened by accident, really. But he was talking and and man, that podcast really stirred my heart. Like it really, really stirred in me to the point I almost pulled over and just sat down and just said, God, teach me to pray. Like teach me to to walk with you because my walk has been unsteady. It's a yo-yo God, but I don't want this iteration, this season to go by and not have a solidified walk with you. And I remember I came home and I, I put my bike away and I went into my office and I sat on the floor and I said, God, just teach me to pray. It's always been an area of my life that I've struggled with, this consistency in prayer and seeking him. And no word of a lie that night, around like three o'clock in the morning, I woke up like wide awake wide awake. And immediately, <laughs> immediately I thought it was anxiety. Many of you know my story. I struggle with anxiety in my life. And I began to like, I got up and I kind of got my heart started racing and I, I got up and I started pacing the house again. Like I, like I did in the past when I had those moments where I woke up and I was in kind of like almost in panic mode of what was happening. And I remember laying down and just said, God, like, 
please, please don't, I don't want to go through something like this again. I don't want to do this again, God. I just want, like, help me, God. What is this? And I felt like the Lord just say to me, he said, son, that's not your anxiety. That's me. And if you want to learn how to pray, it's time to get up. You want to be a seeker of me, then you start seeking me. And I have found this joy of just hearing the yes, the invitation of the Spirit, but also hearing the abrupt exhortation to just get up and do it. And I find it's doing something in me. One thing I know to be true is that you'll find the Spirit when you start walking. And here's the good news about walking with the Spirit. The Spirit walks with you. And when you start to walk, He enables you. He empowers you. And, it, and you just find yourself like in the activation of actually going and doing it. You start to say, maybe it's a, a week, two weeks, two months, whatever, you'll wake up one day and say, God, man, I love this life with you, walking with you. So as we go from this series, my prayer and my word for us, King's Church, hear the exhortation from Paul today. Get up and start walking by the Spirit. And we get to do this together. This is the beauty of being part of the body is that we get to encourage one another in this. Amen? We get to encourage one another in this. I want to pray over us today. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and meeting with us right now. And God, I pray that you would raise the legs of King's Church and that you would get our feet moving with you. Lord, I pray for like precious moments with you across this church, Lord, that we would have moments where we are engaged with hearing your voice and sitting under a rhythm of teaching in your word, God, that like it's forming our minds. But God, I pray for those right now who maybe struggle with kind of keeping the even keel or, or struggling with the drift. I just want to pray that like, I just want to pray that over King's church, that we would just like have the grace to get up and start again like to walk, to actually get up and walk with you. Not just wait for one year to go by and two years and find ourselves far away from you again and lost again. And God, thank you for your grace that you come and find us time and time again. In between the gaps, you actually come and your grace and your love is so powerful. Like you just keep coming after us. But God, I don't want to live between years of having an experience with you. I want to walk with you. We want to walk with you, Lord. So activate our feet today to walk with you. And as we walk with you, <laughs> oh, may our desires and our loves shift towards you. God, we speak to our heart right now. And we say that our heart is for you. Our heart is for you. Our heart is for you, Lord. We bless you today. And all of God's people said, amen.